it was just something that was known kind of from the beginning. Uh, growing up, I never really paid attention to it. I grew up the smallest out of my three other siblings, and I was the only one with uh, documentation here in the United States. So I'm, I'm a citizen, but they are not. Um, so growing up, it's kind of like I always knew that if if something happened, I would be here left alone with my with my uncle who does have papers or with a aunt that does have papers. But I mean, it's just we never really talked about it, but we knew it was always a possibility that one day I could come home from school and I would be alone. This is Status, a show about how immigration impacts the people we love. I'm going to estimate and say that there's a one in four chance that you know me personally. And if you've ever spent any time with me, you'll know I grew up in Oklahoma. I talk about it a lot. Not sorry. On a recent trip back, I was introduced to Gali, a 19-year-old Mexican-American political science major from Oklahoma City. She works on campaigns with my best friend, Anna, and they were together on election night. Yeah, that election night. Knowing that Gali's parents are undocumented, Anna knew that she'd have a story to tell. How are your parents nice? Like, like what, like what do you love about your parents? Oh, everything. Oh my goodness. Um, so my dad, even though he could be, you know, a little more on that masculine side of I'm the boss, um, with me, you know, just because I was the youngest child for the longest time, he always opened up to me. We would go out and we would play soccer all the time. Um, like I said, we go out and we, we just catch up and we watch a movie and that's like the way me and my dad bond. Um, or we'll go out and we'll play indoor soccer all the time together. And that's always a lot of fun because he gets really into it. But if we're playing on the same team, he'll be very protective about who gets to come close to me, um, because it'd be like a co-ed team. So even though I'm playing like a defender and, you know, playing soccer, he'll just be very protective about who gets to come close to me with the ball or something like that. Um, and then with my mom, I, I really love how family oriented she is. Uh, at times my dad would sometimes just not want to go out to a family party or something, but my mom would always be like, who cares? You know, we're going like our family's mostly in Mexico and this is the only family that they have. So they should get to enjoy them. So that's one thing that I really love about my mom. Um, I guess her cooking is another thing. Um, I always have those authentic Mexican foods, uh, you know, at my disposal, like they're always there and they're just a drive away. And that's something that I love. Um, my mom is just always there for me to talk my life out with, I guess. Like, if I see a new job opportunity that I want to apply for, I go and I sit and I talk to her about it. And she tells me, I think this is a good idea. Or no, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. It's not what you want to do with your career or with your life. And um, I guess just both of them together really just guide me through life, you know. Um, but, yeah, my parents are goofy and they're lovable. <laughs> Gali is close to her parents, even if they were pretty strict while she was growing up. There was a period of time where Gali's parents, her three siblings, her uncle, her second cousin, that cousin's wife and daughter, and her uncle's daughter, and Gali herself were living in a small two-bedroom, one-bath home in the south side of Oklahoma City. She enjoyed having her siblings close to her growing up, and while it's not to the extent that it used to be, 
Golly and her siblings still live physically close to each other. Uh, as soon as we both all graduated high school, we moved out of the house. Um, and now we're actually all living together, which is really funny. Um, so we all got a, you know, four bedroom house and we're all living together and we're all really close. Um, my older sister, she is 25. My oldest brother's 27 and my younger brother is 24. And then I have a little baby sister that is six years old. <laughs> so there's a couple age gaps in there. Um, but yeah, we're really close. We don't really tend to talk about their immigration status overall. You know, we're just brothers and sisters. We grew up really close together and we we're still really close. I really became aware of their documentation status, or I guess their immigrant status, and my siblings' immigrant status whenever my older siblings were graduating from high school. Um, they had actually received a full-ride scholarship to the University of Oklahoma. Both my sister and my brother graduated the same year. I believe it was 2013. Um, but they couldn't accept their scholarship because they were immigrants. And that's really when it started to hit me that I was given a different future than they were, even though we were both raised the same way and, you know, raised in Oklahoma. Uh, just because they were born somewhere else, they weren't going to have the same opportunities that I had. Um, so after that, you know, my, my mom really grilled it on me that I, because I am a citizen, I am just blessed with endless opportunities here in the United States. Um, so she really raised me to try the hardest I can in school because if my immigrant siblings did it and they got a full ride scholarship that they couldn't accept, then I should be able to get a full ride scholarship as well. Gali did exactly what her parents told her to do and got a full ride to study political science at a college in Oklahoma City. But as you might imagine, scholarships aren't the only things that are hard when your family is undocumented. Luckily, there's news on that front. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. My sister actually got married uh, for love, not for papers, uh, not that long ago. And um, I'm so happy she has her residency now. So that just means one less person that gets taken away, you know, just in case immigration comes knocking at the door. You know, that's that's one more person I get to continue my life with here in the United States. And the same for my brother. He got married for love and he's two years away from being able to apply for his citizenship. Um, so like I said, that's, that's another person I get to keep just in case. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're really happy about that. But in the long run, I, I, I really hope, you know, my parents are here for my graduation for the day I get married, that I don't have to go to Mexico to get married down there, you know, things like that, just milestones in life that other people don't really have to think about where their parents are going to be. Remember the part about election night? Well, when Golly realized the outcome... She fell to pieces for a bit. Part of that was for obvious reasons, but another part was because of the conversation she'd had with her mom the night before. Uh, I mentioned I have a six-year-old sister. Um, And although, you know, my siblings, two of my siblings have their residency, I still have fear in my heart that that could be taken away from one matter or another. You never know nowadays. Um, so, and they're, they're both temporary residencies, so they're not permanent. So that, that could definitely be revoked from them. And I guess another reason why that just hit so hard that night was because the night before that, me and my mom had had a talk where she sat me down and she was just like, Hey, so you're going to have the power 
I, I guess she was giving me power of attorney to um, be the guardian of my sister just in case uh, they got deported because, God forbid, they get deported and my little sister ends up in foster care. Um, so I guess that's just, like, one thing that is always in the back of my head, you know, whenever I'm working or whenever I'm doing homework, that's just, like, you do not want to be a teenage mom of your little sister right now because that would be the worst thing ever to happen. Um, but, yeah, I think that's just one thing that a lot of people at my age don't have to think about what's going to happen to their siblings, their younger siblings, you know. Like, I would have to probably go drop out of college or do part-time and it would take me so much longer to graduate and I'd have to get maybe two full-time jobs just to provide for me and my sister and you know keep the house that my parents have now and keep the bills and you know keep their cars their vehicles and my dad's business running um but yeah that's that's just something I live with every everyday stuff (laughs) I was about 13. I was about a sophomore in high school. Um, I got really involved with this community organization. Um, it's called the League of United Latin American Citizens. And I, at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like, I knew I had to start thinking about what I wanted to major in in college and things like that. Um, but I just had no idea. So I decided to join one day while I was at a Hispanic uh, Chamber of Commerce event and they were there. So I signed up and it completely changed my life. I know it's a little, I don't know, cheesy or cliche to say that an organization changed my life, but it really did. Um, so before then, I was really kind of ashamed of where my roots were. I was ashamed that my parents were immigrants and that uh, I couldn't really leave the country because they couldn't come with me and they were overprotective in that sense. Um, but, you know, joining that organization really opened my eyes to Uh, the impact that I could make in my community and how I could better them and how, uh, I guess, my advocacy uh, wherever I go can really help my community and can help, um, you know, immigrants and families that have those immigrant backgrounds succeed in this country. So that organization really changed my life. And that's, that's what led me to major in political science. The second I saw their table at the event, I they were all young, they were all Hispanic, they all looked like me. Um, so that was something I wanted to be a part of. Um, I wanted to be a part of a, I guess, an organization that empowered people that looked like me, people that grew up in the same communities that I did and understood that it just doesn't really come easy to people that grew up in the South Side and have, you know, immigrant parents. So Lulac is why Golly became a poli-sci major. And it's also how she got into campaigns. Um, so within that organization, I got very involved, you know, um, I, I, I really dedicated a lot of time to it and I was actually elected as national vice president for two years of the organization, um, for youth. So I became really involved, you know, I was traveling to DC and that's kind of where my, um, love for advocacy came out through, um, because we would have a couple days at the Capitol where we would get to go and talk to congressmen and, you know, be like, hey, my parents an immigrant and, you know, we need laws that work for us as, I guess, anchor babies, as some people would say. 
Um, or just saying, hey, you know, um, just, I guess, just advocating in general. So I got involved through through LULAC as well, because here locally, I would, um, I guess I'd be taken to these democratic meetings or just meeting senators and representatives of the state. And um, I got approached by um, a future candidate and they asked me to help them campaign because I was a Spanish speaker and they were running in the south side of the city. And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, it's something to get my foot in the water and I'd be more than happy to help get my people engaged in politics. So yeah, so from there, oh yeah, sorry. So from there, I guess I basically got involved in, in, in campaigns more. And it's something that I really like to do. You know, it's something that as a young person, I get to encourage more young voters to go out and vote even in local elections and municipal elections. And it's, it's really fun for me. What is, what part of um, sort of campaigning or politics is your favorite, is your favorite part? GOTV week. So get out the vote week. Um, it's typically the week before elections. It's whenever, you know, your nerves start, start kicking in, you start getting that adrenaline rush of, oh my gosh, what if we win? Oh my gosh, what if we don't win? And all this, you know, time and money and that we spent out here knocking doors doesn't, doesn't follow through. So definitely I would say that it's that suspense week, you know, that, that really gets to me. And it gets my adrenaline going in a way. So I really like it. (laughs) What would you say that you think is like your biggest win like it could be like a a candidate that got elected but like doesn't necessarily have to be that but what do you think is like your biggest win in terms of your like political activism um i wouldn't say my biggest win was the first campaign i worked on um it was for mary sosa she was running for house district 44 here in oklahoma um and that is a it's it's um a lot of hispanics live in that area it's a big district um so I want to say that that was my big one just because I was able to communicate with a lot of Spanish speakers just because of my native tongue and I was able to um tell them you know hey there's a local election going on maybe you didn't know about it but now you do and now you have this opportunity to engage politically and that's something that they didn't have before because typically no one really cares enough to go out and talk to your the Spanish speakers in the district they just care enough to go talk to those people that they do know are going to vote. Um, so although she didn't win, it was a really hard loss for me just because she won the primary and then we had a runoff and she lost the runoff. And that really hurt a lot because it, it just felt like a betrayal from my own people, per se, I guess. It felt like we gave you this great opportunity to have this amazing representative and you turned your back on her and you didn't go out and vote for her. So it felt like a stab in the back in some way. But at the same time, it was really rewarding to, you know, get out the vote and tell. And we got a lot of people to register that time, too. So it was, it was just a great experience overall. Golly reminds me a lot of my other politically active friends from Oklahoma. And if there's one thing I know about an Oklahoma progressive, it's that they've got a lot of ideas about what's wrong and how to fix it. If there was... Like, what would your kind of, like, dream fix for immigration involved? Hard one. Um, I've definitely thought about this a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that my dream fix for immigration would be to just 
fix our home countries in general. A lot of times, um, you know, immigrants cross the border to the United States for that American dream. We, I guess, they they cross over for for an opportunity to work, to be able to have your own things and not fear for your life because of gang violence or for, you know, narco violence. Um, so definitely, I would say it it starts at home, where wherever your home country may be. If it's El Salvador, if it's Mexico, you know, if it's Venezuela right now, wherever it may be, it, it starts at home. And I really think that's where the solution starts, just building up these countries to where their own citizens can find opportunities that they don't have to go searching elsewhere. that you're reaching out to like agree with you politically um i want to say yes and no um so because we are hispanic um we're also very in touch religiously i want to say um i know for a fact it's like that with my parents um so my parents are very religious and i for one am not even though i was raised in their household um, so at times we do fight about like who I should vote for or what laws I should vote against, for example, or what candidate I should even support just maybe because they support abortion or they support, you know, something like that, that goes against their religious values. So definitely, I think um, there's a lot of clash like that religiously. But apart from that, you know, we we do tend to be somewhat open minded. I'll just go ahead and add this bit right here. Um, I know definitely whenever I finally got to register to vote, it was a it was a huge deal for me because my parents had been here for, you know, 20 plus years. And this was the first time in those 20 years that they were going to have a voice. And I know even though it isn't ever their vote, um, I always take a poll at my house between my siblings and my parents. And I ask them, hey, you guys, so... Um, you know, even though I'm the one going out to vote and it's only one vote, I make sure that everyone's voice is heard in my household and that I vote according to what the majority wants. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's something. <laughs> Has that ever conflicted with, with you, what you wanted? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, my parents are really religious and my older sister tends to be more on the conservative side of politics. Um, and so does my older brother one of my older brothers. So we'll have these, you know, we'll, we'll have these discussions all together and we'll come out with an outcome that works for everyone, even though sometimes it's something that I wish they didn't want, you know, uh, even though it's something that I don't typically, or I wouldn't support, um, I still go ahead and vote for it just because I feel like I'm that vote in my household. I'm their voice that they haven't had in over 20 years. So it's only fair that because I get to vote now, their voice gets to be heard. So you voted on something that you didn't agree with because it was the majority opinion of your family. Can you hear the shock in my voice? It was one of the state... um, So this past election in Oklahoma, we had a couple state questions um, that we had to vote on as, you know, residents or citizens of Oklahoma. And there was one that 
in particular, I loved and I supported, but I had to go against it just because the majority in my household would vote against it. So I don't remember the state question number, but I do remember that it had to do with, um, I guess, making drug possessions um, into a misdemeanor instead of a felony. And they all voted for it to be a felony because, you know, you are in this country, you have these these opportunities and for you to go and waste them for having a drug possession or something like that on your record. Um, they felt it was something pretty, um, excuse my language, like something pretty stupid to do. So they were like, they, they just shouldn't have any, any, like they shouldn't have a second chance because they had the greatest chance to begin with and they ruined it. And I, of course, was against it because they're, you know, like marijuana out there that people shouldn't be going to jail for that. But, you know, I still had to go with their will. This is wild to me. I never expected for someone so committed to their political ambition to be willing to put their vote up for vote, I guess. No, yeah, it's it's really hard sometimes at times because just, like I said, my parents are super religious and I butt heads with them all the time. But at the end of the day, you know, they're the ones that made the difficult decision at 15, 16 years old to cross the border and to come to the United States, a country where they know nothing about, they don't even know the language and you know, they just made the best out of it for me. And because of them, I have the opportunity to go to college and I have the opportunity to learn. Um, and so it's only fair for me to give back in some way. I think the thing that blows me away about how Golly chooses to vote is that I can't imagine a progressive Oklahoman giving up the one shot they've got at fixing something they see wrong with the place that they love. Especially because it's just so hard for Oklahomans on the left to make change. I think that speaks to a deeper love for her state. Something I totally understand, but wanted to ask Ali about anyway. What do you love about Oklahoma? Um, I love the people. I know this is like very contradicting, but everyone here is just so nice. Like no matter what, like we have that Oklahoma standard. Um, I guess whenever the tornadoes hit and more not too long ago, uh, I was able to help out a friend whose house got destroyed, and it was just amazing to see the community, you know, around it, around her that rallied up and helped her, too, and it was, I, I just love this state. I love the people. I love the food and all the fried food. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, there, like I said, there's things to love and hate about Oklahoma. Definitely hate the politics, hate that there's always some type of ignorant bill trying to get passed but overall this is my state and I love it Status is produced by me, Matt Horton. Music was provided by Oso, Tyler Van Arsdale, Swin Dioran, So I'm an Islander, and Ben Mitchell. 
The Status theme song is Bread and Circuses Are Back by Ben Mitchell. You can find the show on Twitter at Status Podcast. If you've got a story or somebody that might have a story that you think would work on status, email podcaststatus at gmail.com. Also, this week I was linked to a really wonderful article over at The Establishment. It reminds me a lot of the stories I try and tell on status. I've gone ahead and linked to that in the show notes, and I really encourage you to check it out. Talk to you again next time. Thank you.